Hello and welcome to FYR, For Your Reconsideration, where every movie of every type, every genre, every origin, finds its second chance saloon. I'm Rob and here are Simon and James. How are you doing, boys? Hello. Hi. Hi. Are you both well? Yes, very well. Thank you. Robert. Oh, good, mate. Good. How are you doing? Extremely devastatingly well. Um, <laughs> sounds a bit terrible. Oxymoron. <laughs> Human paradox. Um, if anything, I'm too well. <laughs> yes, I'm unwell with being well. <laughs> Put my Christmas lights up this week. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, bit early. Tis but, the season. Um, well, we I'm, there. I'm letting people do it this year. Fuck it. It's been a miserable year. Just bring, yeah. the, bring the joy as soon as possible. Go for it. <laughs> it's only going to get cancelled anyway. Well, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Um, yeah, the only thing that can do one is. Um, that infernal Mariah Carey song. I just can't be doing with this. Cannot be doing with this. Um, and in fact, Mariah Carey, um, God bless you. You can be um, given the same treatment um, as Deke at the end of <laughs> the end of Broken Arrow, <laughs> sort of folded and swan-tommed over a nuclear bomb. <laughs> oh, I mean, it needs to get retired at some point. It really it? does. What? Who's it helping? Well, Mariah Carey, obviously. <laughs> They're still doing Nat King Cole every Christmas. It's never going away. Once you get into that Christmas <laughs> groove as, and you become part of the tradition, you'll be there for all eternity now. That's yeah. it. It's locked in. Well, this is it. I, I know. And isn't it a part of that that movie, Love Actually? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. The kids are performing it at the concert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now you see, this is um, one of the highlights of last Christmas was the local Odeon did a, uh, you know, did Christmas classics as their movies. You know, this year I've just seen the list. It's been released, I think, yesterday. Seen what they've got on Die Hard. We're not going there. Don't worry, we're not going <laughs> there. Uh, Home Alone, Elf, Nightmare Before Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, and Love Actually. Just yeah, horrible people being horrible to each other. I really like. It. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I know everyone hate. We have a really close friend of ours who uh, we went to uni with who hates it with all her <laughs> innermost. <laughs> she absolutely despises it, and she was. An, an, I don't think she's spoken to me since I mentioned I like Laura. <laughs> 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 oh dear, that's so, tough love in its extreme yeah. extremist of forms. It's firm but fair. Deserved, yeah, totally. Deserved. <laughs> I mean, let's you know, maltzy, posh people being assholes, <laughs> encouraging adultery and manipulation. <laughs> let's do it. Why not? Yeah. Even yeah. Snape's involved. Let's do it. Five stars. <laughs> Fellas, what have you been watching this week? Never mind talking about Christmas movies we don't like. <laughs> what have you watched this week? I mean, I've mainly been uh, in awe of watching uh, Ridley Scott turn Twitter <laughs> into meltdown two weeks, in two successive weeks without actually being on the platform, which has been massively enjoyable. You know, the shock that. 83-year-old straight-talking bloke from the northeast talks like an 83-year-old straight-talking bloke from the <laughs> northeast. 
<laughs> My favourite bit of that was someone today who said uh, every time they mentioned one of his old movies, he'd just take a puff of his cigar and go, great movie. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't give a shit, Ridders. He's already greenlit. On, he's going into production on a Napoleon epic with Joaquin Phoenix and um, Jodie Comer. It doesn't even matter if his movies make money at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is it. What and what does he care? What does he care really? It's like, as if he's got to answer to anybody really. Um, you know, like, it's much like that Scorsese debate last year. Although yeah. this uh, Scorsese was a lot more nuanced. I think. He did a lot more polite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the thing is with Ridders as well. It was just like nobody asked him about the superhero thing. He preempted it. He just went in and just did them for no reason because he knew he was going to get asked it. <laughs> And then I don't agree with him on the last duel about it being the fault of millennials for not going. No, it was no, the fault no. of the studio for not marketing it and putting it out between Bond, June, and Halloween Kills. It had no chance at all. Yeah, yeah. Because, because, yeah, because it, it just wasn't in screens. The amount of people who've said they had to watch it on a Tuesday afternoon because it yeah. just wasn't on at any other time. And so, yeah, distribution as well. Whoever the distributor was, yeah, didn't do a good job. If anything, Ridders needs to be praising those people. Who <laughs> absolutely went out the way and took time off work to go and see it? I went anyway, so he's not going to be putting a cigar out in my face. I went. Yeah, I, I went. <laughs> I went and enjoyed it greatly. I did use a discount code, but that's neither here nor there. Well, no, no, no. But his 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 argument doesn't really hold any weight because he's had films that have bombed in the past before he has, yeah. the invention of films. Cool. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sort of cheap shot, but yeah, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> I just love what an old man he's been about it. And fair enough, he's yeah. in his eighties. You, can just... you can't be a cantankerous old bastard when you're in your eighties. When can you be? Right, absolutely. Well, yeah. He just shot two movies during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> when he's in the most critical, vulnerable category. <laughs> he's out there risking his life for our entertainment. <laughs> It's got every right to be upset. Oh, Ridders. <laughs> oh, oh dear. So what, what have you watched? The mental Geordie. Oh, dear. Underrated that he's from South Shields, isn't it? Legend, legend. I had a beer there recently. It was really good. Really enjoyed it. Um, so moving on from Ridders, uh, one of the films I watched this week, uh, Riders of Justice. Uh, so this is a Danish movie starring Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, it tells the story of a serviceman who returns home to take care of his daughter after her mother is killed in a train accident. Then some maths nerds show up at his door suggesting that the incident on the train was not a random accident and that events may be tied to a local gang, the titular Riders of Justice. Very funny, very violent and completely off its rocker. I never knew which direction it was heading, but I was completely locked in and mostly delighted by its irreverent take on the revenge thriller. I'm really looking forward to the pointless American remake that's apparently coming. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, Where can you see this? It's actually just dropped onto Now TV and Sky Cinema. So oh, it's has available it? oh, there. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Is that the one with Mads Mikkelsen with a big beard? And a That's big the one. Head? The yeah. one indeed, yes. The very I've same. I've heard very good things about that. Sounds very cool. Yeah, it's crazy though. You can't pigeonhole it. You never know what's happening at all. It's not really in one genre. Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds amazing. That's absolutely brilliant. Uh, and then um, I also went to see uh, Last Night in Soho. Ooh, 
Oh, uh, interesting. In which an, an aspiring fashion designer is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer, but the glamour is not all it appears to be. So this is Edgar Wright's new film, and he is displaying big Argento energy with this uh, handsomely mounted slice of psychological horror. So the film is as propulsive as we've come to expect from Wright. All the visual trickery and fast cutting is here, though the sense of humour that permeates his other films has largely been shelved, which feels appropriate given the darker themes that are within this movie. Uh, It's got some brilliant performances from Thomasin McKenzie, who I was certain was American, but is apparently British, and Anya Taylor-Joy, who I was certain was British, but I don't think she is. Um, (laughs) The film is his most technically accomplished to date and absolutely stunning to look at. I really enjoyed it, and it was great to catch it on the big screen because there's some real bravado sequences that really work proper cinema magic uh, and i've been quite surprised by some of the middling reviews it's received it's not got bad reviews but everyone's sort of like eh, on it and i thought it was really yeah, really good I, yeah i was as as soon as you mentioned it i was really interested to to get your take on it because i've i've kind of been put off because i've seen a lot of people be so tepid on it um and i, I people were with baby driver as well and i really enjoyed that but um yeah, I, I'm I'm going to check it out this weekend. So, I uh, I was thinking about checking it out this weekend, but I definitely will, having heard your recommendation on it. So, thanks, James. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and it, it is a horror movie. I mean, I the themes are dark, and it's got some heavy material in it. It's quite unsettling in that sense, but it's not like scary. I know how we're all Freddy cats on it, but I was I wasn't actually scared in the moment. It was more the thematic stuff, the way the horror comes yeah. from. Cool. Nice. Oh yeah, I have to check that out then. Would really like um, to be honest. I'm I'm all holding on at the moment because I know that um, uh, Edgar Wright's going to be adapting soon. Uh, McKinsey's the Chain, uh, the book. Is he? Um, yeah, ah, so I hadn't I'm, heard that. Yeah, um, Universal. Is that public got the knowledge, Rob? Yes, it's not my inside of knowledge. Wait a second, let me check. No, no, I remember. I remember congratulating him. Hang on a minute. That would be hilarious if you just dropped an exclusive in the uh... the whole deal collapsed. I'm sure it was in Deadline. Surely it was in. Deadline. Oh right, okay. I, I just yes, it was. It yeah, was. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, Edgar Wright's got. Um... Phew. Sorry, um, I just thought that's check. It's a really good point, man. Really good point. <laughs> So yeah, uh, I cannot wait for for him to do that. So I'm just sort of like um, always enjoyed whatever I well whatever he does. But so yeah, add this to the list. But really, I'm holding on um, here, probably unfairly actually. Um, should be enjoying everything really, shouldn't I? He's co-writing that with Jane Goldman, which sounds yeah. which makes that even more uh, exciting. Yeah, I've got that book on my uh, Kindle ready to go as oh, well. I actually. do I do recommend it. I think you'll have a lot of fun with that actually. And yeah, do listeners, that book is super dupes, so you should go and you should go and read it. Um, Sam, what about you? What have you been um, uh, greasing your part? Your no, that doesn't work. Metaphor doesn't work. <laughs> what have you been oiling your eyes with? No, not sure that works either. Uh, yeah, my, my eyes have been well and truly oiled uh, since we last spoke. Yeah, I've had a, I've had um, a lovely cocktail of, of a whole bunch of stuff since we last spoke. I went to see The French Dispatch, um, which I just really, really loved it. And again, that's a film that's getting mixed reviews. You know, it does seem like Wes Anderson has eaten his own head when he made that movie. <laughs> but um, I, I, I just love it. I was grinning from ear to ear throughout. I thought it was lovely to look at and it 
everyone in it was brilliant. I, I just really enjoyed it. And then, um, yeah, promptly followed that up by going to an exhibition of all the props and costumes and uh, oh, little wow. segments of the sets and everything. At, um, so sophisticated. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a, it was at a place called 180 Studios on the Strand in central London. It was just brilliant. It was just a lovely... You, you go through all the little parts of the film and then you end up in a recreation of the cafe to have a coffee. Really that good. sounds lovely. James, yeah, we don't great. get these opportunities up north here. No. It's like, would you like to go to a pasty museum? We just live in caves <laughs> up here. This is the problem. <laughs> caves under a cloud of smoke. Hey, you've got uh, the Hat Museum in Stockport is a fine establishment. It is. So. I, mean, I, also went, went, I also went to Skelmersdale Flat Cap Emporium this weekend. <laughs> Apparently there's a pencil factory somewhere as well. Anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, there's the Kendall Rock Museum. <laughs> No, the Kendall Mint Cake. Kendall Mint Cake Emporium. <laughs> uh, the other the other film I wanted to mention um, was uh, a film called Archive, which is the feature-length debut of a chap called Gareth Rothery, who was the lead uh, graphic designer and visual effects supervisor on Moon. Um, ah. Remember Moon? Yes. Mm. Uh, so it's, a, it's like Moon. It's like a, a, a near-future sci-fi mystery film. Um, slash tragedy about a scientist trying to physically and emotionally reconnect with his dead wife through artificial intelligence and, and robots. Um, <laughs> what it's, the it's, uh... <laughs> You can't drop that in casually. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's got like so much good stuff going on in it. Like as you would expect from the guy who sort of behind the look of moon the production design is brilliant and it's really got this like tangible texture to it all like it real feels real like the whole thing feels so real and it's really beautiful to look at um and it's got a really great score as well by Stephen price um which is you know one of those i'm gonna have to order on vinyl it's like that good on the whole there were, there were a couple of things that didn't quite work for me in terms of the lead performances there was one in particular that kind of ruin the film a bit for me but that's purely personal thing you know I, I'm, I'm sure other people would have a problem with that it's definitely not a deal breaker but it's a really interesting flick that i would definitely recommend to check out it's currently on now tv i think it is oh sweet um so yeah if you've got a subscription to that uh definitely give it a whirl especially if you like moon and you like those sort of cerebral sci-fi films where it's all quite one-man band sort of thing uh the main guy in it's theo james who was the bad guy in the Inbetweeners movie? I remember, and he was in. He's in that Divergent. What do they call? I never watched them. There's like a trilogy of films. Yeah, kind when of everyone like was Hunger trying games. to do the new Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's in those. I've never seen them, but he's actually he's actually really good in this. Not really convincing as a really smart inventor scientist dude, but uh, he's he's he is very good in it nonetheless, and he's he's very much a one man band in it. So yeah, definitely worth checking out if if you've got Now TV. I think. Yeah, lovely. Um, so yeah. What about you, Rob? <clears throat> well, I, I really enjoyed... Um, my kids are still in very much in a Jurassic World mode at the moment. Jura- you know, the sorry, the, the Jurassic franchise, I think is the best way to put it. They're still very much enjoying that. So a few years ago, I, I did a full playthrough with the um, my oldest of um, the Lego Jurassic World game. So now with the younger two, I'm doing a full playthrough with them now. They're a bit older and they're absolutely loving it. It's really, it's so nice to go back into the little world with little bricky versions of all the, you know, all the <laughs> scenes I absolutely love. Um, 
It's loads of fun. This week, um, the Jurassic World, sorry, Jurassic World Dominion prologue dropped. Yes. You know, the um, this sort of teaser that was attached to uh, Fast and the Furious 9, I think, in IMAX. Um, apparently, none of this one, none of this footage is going to be in the in the movie itself. But God, it was nice to go back into this world for a minute. You know what I mean? Like, really, really nice. It's on YouTube immediately, guys. So just go out and go and watch it if you haven't. Um, just a really nice taster. Yeah, I, I saw it. Um, so it's basically just the last 20 minutes of the Lost World Jurassic Park, but for two hours. But, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With more um, raptor but, bros. But... <laughs> <laughs> James, because you've got me doing that. I've, like, if there's a raptor level in Jurassic World Lego, I'm like, hey, guys, we've got to get going now, boys. Right, everyone get your <laughs> raptor bros. And we're going to go... I'm, I'm, oh dear, the kids are like, stop, Dad, stop it now, Daddy, stop it now, Daddy. <laughs> I love um, how you're like a really embarrassing dad, it's really funny. <laughs> honestly, I'm not allowed to do anything. Um, the other thing I've watched is, uh, I was doing a bit of research for a possible future pick as well, um, and I watched Exists, the 2014 Eduardo Sanchez of Blair Witch fame. Who yeah. did a Bigfoot movie? Oh, of course, of course, it's a Bigfoot movie. <laughs> I just want a photograph of your rea- reactions now, head in hands across the across the board. So predictable. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to interrupt him and go, "Was it a Bigfoot picture?" But obviously, it's a Bigfoot picture. <laughs> picture? I'm still obsessed when people call movies pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Yep, it's a Bigfoot picture. Um, <laughs> but it's from the guy who did Blair Witch. Oh, right, okay. Um, so, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. And and I, I, while, as I was watching it, I was like, I think the boys might poo the pants watching this. <laughs> Quite good. Quite good to discuss. Is it a found footage-esque movie? It is. Oh, okay. Did we not already watch that? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to put that back to 2025. <laughs> Uh, thoroughly on the back burner yes yeah it's not to be honest it's not as it's not as mad enough as I would want it to be to make me want to go we've got to do this now we've got to do it now it's got a lot of very efficient scares in it cool but um it's possibly not as mad enough for me to think we have to do this immediately. Not right. like what my next pick is, which we've discussed, which has to be done immediately. <laughs> not not good no enough for, for a Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. The absolute absenteeism of um, any festivity in this movie. It's not going to happen. It's not, not going to happen. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've gabbed on for a bit of a while here. I've also realised that um, I'm wearing pyjamas. It's quite late though, Rob. You know, straight to bed after this. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Definitely is. I was prepped for it. Um, not together. Not uh, all day. <laughs> you cheeky little devil. Is that an invitation? If only. If only. <laughs> only. only. Snuggles. Post FYR snuggles. Um, so tonight's pick um, was yours, wasn't it, Si? It was. It was indeed. Um, would you like a logline? I would like a logline. Yeah. Cool. Have you got one? Uh, in search for answers, a mother travels to a desolate American town when her daughter begins to suffer recurring nightmares related to this mysterious place. As she delves deeper into the fog, it doesn't take long for her to discover the true hell that lies beneath. Not just Sean Bean's accent. <laughs> uh, this is... Rose! Rose! This is Christoph Gann's 2006 adaptation of the popular survival horror video game, 
Silent Hill. Honey, sometimes when you go to sleep, you go on a little walk. And sometimes you talk about a place. I don't remember. That's why we're going to go there. So you can remember. adaptation um we i usually ask the question um what is your relationship or, or sorry Sai, why did you bring this back but Sai, i'm gonna ask you what is your relationship with silent hill the game first yeah so i was like a i'm a huge video game fan in general um but the silent silent hill series has always been one of my favorites since um just like really good memories of a teenager i remember getting the first one and pulling an all-nighter with my brother and my best mate Martin at the time, and we just stayed up all night and played through the entire first game. It obviously completely scared the shit out of us. Uh, we just we just kept doing this, you know, kept returning for each game which came out afterwards. And even though the rubbish ones, we still played them and loved them. My brother really liked them; like he was he was really into them. So yeah, when um, yeah when it, when this sort of green light got given to adapt it into a movie, which which I assume came about after the Resident Evil films yeah. and their relative success. I think two would come out by this point. And I was just pretty excited to see whether they could translate that immersive creepiness the games had because I love Resident Evil as well, but Silent Hill just got... It just scared me in a different way. It wasn't mm. just jump scares. It wasn't... It was just like psychological weirdness which really got under the skin. And yeah, I was really interested to see because the Resident Evil films I wasn't really into. I didn't... They could have been called somewhere else and you wouldn't have connected them to Resident Evil at all. I didn't feel they were the games at all. Um, whereas, yeah, I was really interested to see that what would happen with this. And Christoph Gans as well. I, I really liked Brotherhood of the Wolf. I was a real big fan of that film. Yeah, was just really interested. And then, yeah, finally watched it. And yeah, I thought I really liked it. I just really enjoyed it. I thought it, all the things I loved about the game were in the film. And I, I admittedly haven't seen it for ages since, you know, since it came out. So I was a bit sort of worried when I picked it last week, <laughs> just like randomly. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I thought it was um, it was a good good one to bring up. Cool. Um, so, James, what, what's your relationship with the, the Silent Hill sort of universe? Then? So I played about two hours of the first game that was put out on the PlayStation. And I sort of went into it thinking it was sort of Resident Evil light, and it wasn't. It was way more like sort of disturbing and mm. creepy. And I went, that is enough of that for me. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be playing any more of that. Thank you very much. Luckily, I just borrowed it off of a friend. I, I wouldn't like ever buy 
a scary game to play because it's just like right 10 minutes in this is the scariest thing in the world that's 40 quid down the, down the drain <laughs> um so i promptly returned that to my friend and then as a result i had no interest in watching the films at all because if they've even captured any of that atmosphere i'm not going to make it through so and neither are my underpants so it was uh... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, quite short other than the yeah, so other than just that two hour stint that I had on PlayStation One back in the day. Gosh, and and, and nothing with the movie. You never seen the movie? Never seen it before. No. Cool. I, I'm exactly the same. I, I hadn't. Um, well, apart from I've never played the game. Never played the. Never seen the movie. Uh, never played any of the games. Sorry. Oh, bollocks. No, no, it's good. No, because that that means from from all the ways that we're coming at it, we're all from very different standpoints in a way aren't we uh, which means that we you know certainly in my, my own case i can look at the movie objectively as to whether it stands up as a movie mm. so yeah interesting interesting so um it must qualify then in which case uh james should we talk numbers yes yeah, so uh silent hill opened in 2932 theaters and earned 20 million domestically on its opening weekend and opened at number one at the u.s box office so all the gamers went that weekend for sure uh the film grossed over 46 million domestically and 100 million total worldwide it made a further 20 million dollars in dvd sales so against a 50 million budget it made 120 million all in which Ooh. with the marketing costs and things like that i think it will have been the in the black but not a runaway hit by any stretch mm. uh, it is however in the top 10 highest grossing film adaptations of video game properties listed on box office mojo but that's a bit like two bald guys fighting over a comb isn't it really in terms <laughs> of the box office success <laughs> Yes. So I think it was okay enough to wash its face. I would say. Yeah, enough Not to homes, get a sequel as well. It, it did. It did garner a sequel, which I haven't seen, but I guess it did all right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, not to be sniffed at any of those numbers at all. No, pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. So it must qualify. Sadly, critically, Sam. Yes. Uh, as you would expect from a video game adaptation, uh, Silent Hill did not go down well with the critics at all. Uh, currently sits at 32% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 31 on Metacritic, so yeah, similar across those two websites. The film is also included on Roger Ebert's most hated list, uh, <laughs> having the having the website giving, uh, giving, giving the film one star. Is that for that year, Simon, or is it the, a whole list of movies that Rog hates? Is that an all-time <laughs> diff? I'm yeah. hoping it's for that year because... <laughs> I've seen him give films zero stars, so at least he, at least they got one. Uh, Matthew Lucas of The Dispatch called it a train wreck. Uh, one so bad I couldn't wait to look away, giving it zero stars. Um, as did Peter Hartlaub, who is the um, San Francisco Chronicle's other film editor, so sadly no Sheriff review for this one. And he said, uh, Silent Hill has plenty of bad acting, bad dialogue, and a confusing plot all of which become exponentially more painful when the movie goes on forever. Uh, so safe to say he did not like it. Um, there was, however, like a relatively sort of widespread appreciation for the visuals and the production design of it, mm. especially from those familiar with the series, you know, particularly appreciative of its faithful approach to the game. Um, James Dyer of Empire said it's a step in the right direction for console to screen transitions and a twisted masterpiece of set design. And Felix Vasquez Jr. of Cinema Crazed calling it one of the best video game adaptations he's seen in years. 
Um, not that that's saying much because there's not really that many good. <laughs> no Super good Mario Brothers. Um, the the uh, Don R. Lewis of Film Threat called it the best looking bad film I've ever seen. <laughs> Which is a backhanded compliment if I'd ever seen one. Um, Audience-wise, it fares much better. Um, It's got 63 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 79 on Metacritic, or 7.9 on Metacritic, sorry. Wow. And a respectable three on Letterboxd, so it's certainly not the lowest one we've covered from an audience perspective. And yeah, again, across those sites, there was a lot of appreciation for the faithfulness to the source material and like the way it looked and and, and things like that. Excellent. Um, So yeah. It's an interesting one, this for me. Um, you know, especially going in as cold as I have done to it. Very, very interesting. Should we dive into the movie itself? Oh, yes. Why not? Let's get it over and done with as quick as possible. <laughs> <laughs> why, <laughs> why jolly not? Let's get started. Um, so, when we open it, it's, it's, not, it's not quite a dream sequence, is it? But it's um, about young... Um, Sharon, Sharon. <laughs> well, the the thing, the thing, and you know, it's you know, obviously from two guys who are not invested in the game at all. The very first, it goes over the Focus Pictures logo is the opening theme tune to the game. Yeah. So immediately, I'm in, like straight away. I'm just like, oh yes, those waves of nostalgia are coming That's... straight back just from this opening few bars of a mandolin. Portishead like guitar. Well, I, this is it. So, Sai, as we talk through the movie, can you be? If I ask you for a faithfulness check, can you tell me if we're on the right? Yes, line? yes, and Excellent. it's pretty much a good full through uh, faithful thing. But I, yes, I, well, we will carry on. Yeah, because obviously, I've got no idea whether these certain things are faithful or maniac decisions. Mm. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is good. And uh, I did recognise the music because it haunted me back in the two thousand. <laughs> so, I was like, oh, that's nice. That's a good little. So that's a good way to get the fans of the game on side straight away. But then I read somewhere, Simon, that they've changed the name of the little girl, which for no discernible reason, which just... Yeah, they changed the names of everything. I think they they gender swapped the characters. So in the game, it's a man whose daughter goes missing. They changed it to a woman. I don't know why they changed the names of all the characters. Yeah, I think Sybil might be the only one... Who's who keeps the name from the game? I think, mm. uh, and Alessa, um, the, the the girl from the town who's linked to Sharon. Bit weird how they changed all the names. From the voices of a, um, so obviously Rada Mitchell plays Rose, Sean Bean plays Christopher. Um, they are uh, Australian and English respectively, and. The name Sharon coming from either of them <laughs> sounds like a lot of different words. At what, honestly, at one point I thought Sean, Sean Bean was running across the road shouting shite. As well. I mean, <laughs> shite, shite. Let's like the the elephant in the room is obviously Sean Bean's accent, and also the name Sharon. I was like, it started and I was like, it's not a very little girl's name, is it? Sharon. No. It's a. It's very like a. Yeah, it's a very middle-aged woman with a short, cropped haircut with frosted tips. Um, it's just not... Well, the Osbournes was very popular back in the 2000s, so maybe it was a loving little uh, uh, little nod to Ozzy and his clan. Sure. Basically, that's, that's what I've written down. <laughs> like a lovely Osbournes <laughs> tribute. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah. The 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 names did throw me a little bit. It was a bit weird, but I mean, I don't, I, I guess that's just a Hollywood thing. I guess they just have to put uh, their stamp on it. I don't know. Can I can I add a, another little question mark? Perhaps <laughs> Rada Mitchell is um, white skinned and blonde. Sean Bean <laughs> is white skinned and blonde, but they're the De Silvers. <laughs> I only clock that right at the end when the cop go, uh, uh, Mr. De Silva, and you're like, sorry, what? <laughs> De Silva's. Now, this is this is no comment. It's just... De Silva's a Vecasaw Rose, lad. <laughs> yeah. Rose. Rose. I love you, Rose. Shite! <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, anyway. So, um, poor Sharon is having terrible dreams, isn't she? Um, and she ends up uh, disappearing in the middle of the night. And Rada Mitchell, Rose, sorry, De Silva, goes. To, sorry, it's not going to stick. That Rose goes to look for her and um, finds her on the edge of a cliff. Yeah, like gorgeous overhead shots here with a really yeah. long, deep waterfall. Um, they make this movie look good. Let's throw that there. Absolutely, I think so. it looks good. So the yeah. cinematographer is Dan Lorsters. Law, uh, Lawson, he's, he's Danish I've, I've absolutely mangled that um, and he is uh, Guillermo del Toro's regular director of photography and is has also he? shot wow. the last three John Wick movies as well so he's a top level cinematographer cool how how fa- how like soon was this in his filmography was this like an early one? Oh, quite a bit because he didn't work with del Toro until Crimson Peak which I believe is 2016 so this is mm. 10 years before that so but yeah. he'd worked with Christoph Gans on Brotherhood of the Wolf, so yeah. I think the the one thing you can't accuse this film of is looking bad cinematography wise, photography no, wise. Oh, it's can't. stunning! It's really, you definitely really can't. good. Yeah, it, it looks very, very nice. It's it's really well shot. And and another thing to make, like while we're on the subject of cinematography is there are so many shots, particularly in this opening half hour that are just lifted directly from the game. Right. Um, because the game is a... It's one of those old old school... that, that It's like a, a series of sort of locked-off cameras, and as yeah. you walk around, the cameras then switch. Um, Resident Evil was very, like, static cameras. And Silent Hill kind of introduced, when it cut around, there was a, a, some moving ones, and you'd get, you know, things in the foreground as you ran towards it, and, you know, the camera would swing and stuff like right. that. There's a few shots in it which are just like straight from the game, and you're just like, "Fucking yes!" The person who's making this film has played the game and likes yep. the game, yeah. And that's apparently the case. Apparently, Christoph Gans was petitioning to make this film for like five years. Yeah, you know, he made everyone play it and and showed everyone on the set to get it looking like that, and and that's something they definitely did. You know, not like it's just aping on the game. They made it work in film. It looks really, it's really nice how they've shot it. I think. Yeah, definitely. I think that comes through as well that it's made by people who understand the game and they've really put a lot of effort into creating that world. It felt like the PS1 experience, but obviously a lot sharper and, and nicer. It, it, it had that good evocative feeling of of entering the world of that game. Absolutely. I'm, I love hearing the, the fact that, um, the, you know, like you, you, the passion side there, hearing that, you know, because it's like, it's obviously invoking a nostalgia this which is great i love it when movies do that there's no shame in that for me yeah it's and and i i'm so fully aware of that as well and i think i get like when i when i picked it and i was like oh it's a it's a risky on this because 
you know, because I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast do go out and watch the films before they listen to it and stuff like that. So sorry, I'm in advance, everyone, if you didn't know the game. <laughs> no. well. But um, if anyone needs to apologise on this podcast, say si, it's not you <laughs> <laughs> for making um, people do that. Um, but but yeah, I mean, this film knew how to sort of appeal to the fans and pander to those fans. And it does it in this like opening ten minutes straight away, and you're just like, yeah, I'm in, I'm sold. You've you've won me over straight away, which the Resident Evil films didn't do that. And I think it's a good yeah. comparison that because they're made at similar times, yeah, the yeah. similar games, and you know the, the, everything was sort of came out game wise and film wise at the same time. And for me, Resident Evil was just did not do that, whereas this. Yeah. completely does in those first 10 20 minutes yeah yeah it's weird isn't it paul thomas anderson really dropped the ball with those resident evil films <laughs> <laughs> as long as he, he he brought himself back with uh magnolia <laughs> there will be blood <laughs> i'll never get bored of confusing those two <laughs> no no <laughs> oh lols Chris doesn't want, Sean Bean doesn't want Rada and Sharon to go off to Silent Hill, which is where it seems everything is leading to. Silent Hill being, a, it's like a grey area on a map. Do you know Do you know this term for a grey area on a map that's not been, you know, like properly marked out? Is terra incognita. How Ooh, good is that? Very Ooh, good. That Knowledge. Good. Don't steal it because I've, 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 there's a book title in that for me. So <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's such a good expression for it. So yeah, he won't go. Um, sorry, he doesn't want them to go. And um, but jolly heck, they go anyway, and they end up at a, a petrol station. Yeah, yeah, they just want answers, basically, don't they? Yes. And Chris finds a, a on a on a you know he Google searches it and ends up on a website called GhostTownOfAmerica.web <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and finds Silent Hill on this list, and he's just like. You know, destroy. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> no! It's Rose and Sharon have gone. No! Right, the... <laughs> the thing we've seen being right. The thing, uh, you know, I love, I love Sean B. Absolutely, so I do I. Death, love him but, to death. But sometimes, if you're going to cast him in your film, just like make him be Yorkshire. Like, just exactly. there's no need to. There's no need for him to have an American accent. If you're going to call your character Christopher De Silva and you've <laughs> cast Sean Bean, doesn't really matter what accent he's he going to do. He could be part of the famous, <laughs> the famous De Silva steelworkers in uh, <laughs> from Sheffield. The thing is, he can do quite a good posh English accent. I've heard him do that. It's just America that he struggles with. He's only ever tried it a few times, and this is sort of in his run after Lord of the Rings, where he started getting cast in a lot of American projects. Obviously, he was in National mm. Treasure. He was in a remake of The Hitcher, and That's the American so good, accent never, never really gelled for him. And yeah, this is just—it's just all over the shop, isn't it? It's there's a bit of Irish in there. There is Yorkshire in there. God bless. I love him so much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's great. He's absolutely brilliant. It's just it's. Yeah, accents are not his forte. <laughs> so yeah, so the, they're in this uh, diner, and we meet uh, Sybil, who is the, the the copper, who is in the first game, and I'm pretty sure she's called Sybil. I, I don't really want to Google. It, I can't be asked. Like, if I, if it's not, I'm sorry. She is Sybil. Yeah. At this point in time, you know, because uh, obviously I, I I've got no skin in the game here, so I'm just watching a movie. So I'm watching this these three adults who we've been introduced to. Not, uh, they're all behaving very odd. <laughs> so you've got <laughs> Sean Bean's wife drives off and she's gone for a few hours. So he cancels her 
credit card. Yeah, why does it cancel the credit cards? I don't get that. Because right, she can't get home. So you know, yeah. My first thought on that was that they were they were it was like Love on the Rocks, and it was like that Neil Diamond song, Love on the Rocks, Um, and they were. (laughs) Yeah, that's why it, he'd cancel the credit cards because they were like on the verge of divorce, blah, blah, blah. But no, that it's just like, oh, I didn't know where you'd gone. Is that, You've took it to it? Silent Hill, even though I told you not to, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, I'm going to remove all your resources uh, to pay for any emergency situation. It, it was, it was, it was a, a knee-jerk reaction from um, Mr. De Silva in this instance. <laughs> Well, he, he he seems like a very rich man. They've got a lush house, uh, they and do. he's a he's they a very do. busy man. I don't know. Um, he's got a Burberry coat, you know. Yeah. Very, you know, very fancy. Um, yeah. Very, so... very fancy. It's not a word. It's not a word that gets used enough. Fancy. But but also, well, yeah, you know, Rada Mitchell is behaving in a sort of like a very knee jerk way. Like, so mm. yeah, you've had another bad dream. I understand. That's great. I'm going to ignore my husband, and we're not going to discuss this. I'm just going to drive her to this um, hellscape. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. She can, uh, so that I'm going to make her confront this. So at least I know, for me, as in me being Radha Mitchell, why she's upset. It's not really fair on anyone, really. And then no. Laurie, uh, no, it's it's Laurie um, Holder, isn't it? Laurie Holden, who's Sybil, Holden, yes, yeah. yeah, Sybil, um, who I think she's brilliant. But um, so she sees a mother and daughter and decides to loiter near a car. Yeah, <laughs> just looking through the window occasionally, and then and uh, yeah, and then she chases them um, to pull them over, and because she just doesn't trust them at all. I don't know what it no. is. And then uh, yeah. you know, because who wouldn't trust a, a, a woman with a small child <laughs> who looks, you know, who? Well, she doesn't look like her because she's an adopted child. That's why it's yes. Well, that's why there's this pull to Silent Hill because she's adopted, you know, and and they're just trying to figure out what this is. So they basically get a car chase, a bike chase into Silent Hill. She sees the road sign, heads off into the town because that's where she needs to be, thinks she can get away from the cop. And then she sees a little girl in the road who looks remarkably like her daughter's name is... Mm-hmm. I forgot her name. Sharon. Sharon. Looks, Sharon. How could I forget Sharon? How could you forget uh, shout it about every 20 <laughs> seconds? <laughs> he looks remarkably like Sharon and then she crashes. And uh, yes, this is the start of the first game you wake up um in your car with the passenger seat empty which your daughter was in and the door was open and you know the your daughter's gone it's good and they understand right we need people are here to watch the silent hill part of this movie like let's get to silent hill as quickly as we can and it's a bit it's a, all a bit like yeah, as rob sort of pointed out some of the characters are acting a bit weird and everyone's not acting like a real person, but it's just it's all in service of getting to the location where yes, the action yes, is going to absolutely. happen as quickly as possible. Hundred percent, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think at this point, like it's just for me, the tone is just completely spot on. There's this dense fog which is caused by ash in the air because of the history of the town. Um, there's this like industrial nine inch nails like sound design with some great music. The really creepy, like desolate emptiness of the towns there. There's like mannequins in the window, which were a big motif in the games, and just the way she's walking around the back alleys and there's the, the you know these weird garages and all that. And this is all just lifted straight from the game. And yeah. this is just like it's just brilliant. The weird thing about this is it's it's fan service. This whole bit is fan service. And if you've not played the game, then this is means nothing to you really. I guess it's setting up the world and where we are and I you know and all that but all those little nuances you won't really get and appreciate if you've not played the games 
But yeah, one of the biggest, one of the best things about this film was the score. It's just, I don't know if you guys agree with this. I just absolutely love the yeah. music. The haunting piano is is very yeah. effective. Yeah, yeah. No, I really it, enjoyed it. It's really, really, really it. good. And I think most of this, you know, I think it's like 90% of this was lifted directly from the game soundtrack. They didn't make yeah. anything new. I think they brought a composer, they had to hire a composer because of where they shot it in Canada. It was part of the union mm. rules that you had to have a Canadian composer on it. Um, so, the, so they brought a guy in called Jeff Darner, who actually did uh, Onward and the Adams Family animated movies, which obviously Rob was speaking about on the last episode. <laughs> Waxing lyrical. <laughs> yeah. Big fan. Big fan here. And essentially, he took the music from the game and just sort of remastered some of it and remixed some some of the stings and things like that. So, yeah. so it's clear that Christoph Gans is really into this game and he wants to make it as faithful as possible. And it's these moments where he's just sort of exploring the town and it's got this uh, the ash falling from the sky and just this greyed out palette throughout is where, for me, the film is at its most effective. Mm, cool. And I'm really enjoying all this imagery. It's very... It's very well realized. It is, isn't it? I, I, the, because it felt like a fantasy world, but one I was enjoying my time in. You know what I mean? Like it, it was one whatever problems we may encounter as we talk through this film, none of them will be visually for me at all at any point. I don't think there's one particular point for me which is about to come up where I was like, uh... is it? But is it a visual effect? <laughs> It is a visual effect, yeah. Because like the aesthetic of the film, I think works brilliantly. Absolutely, visual yeah. aesthetic. But I, I do know what you mean, and also these these people know how to shoot a movie. I mean, yeah. this looks this looks one hundred percent. And the, yeah. the the way the way they use the camera as well. There's a lot of um, it, it's it's constantly moving. There's a lot of dollies, a lot of tracks. There's a lot of jib shots. There's a lot of it's it's a mixed bag of stuff. Like this whole first half an hour is when well, when we get into Silent Hill, they just pull out the you know the bag of tricks and you know let all the toys loose and just just really have fun with i I hope the people who made this film had fun making it because it looks like they did Mm. from what came out particularly in this first hour or so but yeah then comes like one of the big motifs from the game is when this big siren happens and whenever this big siren happens we go from the foggy weird creepy town to this horrible rusty industrial hellscape basically you've used that word before rob Mm. for the most part it's great you know i think that is just again nailed so well we don't really see that transition here They, they sort of save that for later um and i just think this is the sort of film's first misstep for me and i think if you're not watching it from a from that nostalgic point of view like i was you may get lost at this point if you didn't get lost at sean bean's accent uh (laughs) um she could, this is where the monsters come out, and it's this weird, like, group group of babies which come. <laughs> it was so funny. I, 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 I was it, like all fresh, like, well, well then. So she sees this, this, this guy like strung up on a fence from barbed yeah. wire, which is just disgusting, and it's very like Hellraiser. It's very Clive Barker. Yes, not as sexy as the Hellraiser films. <laughs> <laughs> Kinky bastard Clive Barker. Um <laughs> and that this is the part in the games where you're just like, fucking hell, this is a bit dark, isn't it? <laughs> and you're just like really fucking grim. And it's like, you know, this is great. And then you get this weird CGI baby who just like skulks out the shadows and then screams in her face. 
it's like really loud. And you're like, the name's it's called Silent Hill, not really fucking loud hill. Like <laughs> 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 this screaming baby. Um, and I, you know, it's a victim of the time this is made. It is a bit shonky. And yeah, this bit I was like, ah, oh. I was just picturing you two guys watching it, going, oh yeah, this is where they're gonna uh, get lost, isn't it? <laughs> I was just like, but again, I've, I've I know enough about the game to know that this is probably the moments when I stopped playing the game is when these creepy little things were coming out and dudes were being chained to walls via barbed wire. It's like, nope, that's enough <laughs> of that for me. Thank you very much. Because it's so much scarier playing... I can easily watch this film. Yeah. No problem at all. But scary... playing that game, like, with your little joypad, and it's dark outside, and you're just like, I really don't want to go around this corner. There's going to be something awful around this corner. I do think it got that sense of that, but yeah. it's just not the same when you're not it's actually not... moving the character forward. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I think that is absolutely on the money because I don't think you know. I'm a. We all know I'm so cowardly when it comes to scare. I don't think this is a scary film. It's a. It's a weird film. It's a creepy film. Yeah. It's disturbing, but it's not scary. I don't think it's a horror yeah. film, which I don't think it, it. It claims to be a horror film either. Yeah, to be fair I don't think it does either. Yeah, the, the, those moments maybe should have found their way onto the, that you know this particular moment probably should have found its way onto the cutting room floor. I think. I think the whole film could have done with being a bit tighter and a bit simplified in terms of narrative as well because i'm yeah. i'm completely with it you know like up to this point it's when it starts to get into the lore of it and because i'm not familiar with the games enough mm. i just got lost completely yeah. <laughs> i didn't know what was I, going I, on if i could add to this I, I think that um two hours six minutes is the official runtime on this one That's long, and that, it? it's a long it's long for this, for this type of movie, kind yeah. of movie that's long um, especially when, because I, I, I love this setup, because this is all set up, isn't it? Essentially, it is. Loved everything I've watched so far, and then we get possibly an hour of what feels like like fan service in a way, like we're gonna tick off the big triangle headed dude. Yeah, pyramid head. Have some bloody respect. I'm so sorry. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. We don't need the Silent Hill hive coming after us. <laughs> I am the chairman um, of that uh, hive. <laughs> <laughs> this is not to say that I'm not enjoying it all, it, but it, it just because narratively it sags because there's no urgency. It's like she's going from one trauma to the next. Do you know? I I I completely agree. I I think this first hour could be half the time because yeah, all this first hour is doing is establishing the town itself and yeah. the, the vibes of the game and and it kind of just repeats itself like three times. That, and you just like yeah. if you get that down and that because the second hour then gets really deep into the yeah. lore of it and the actual story yeah. and why Sharon's there. Yeah. And, Which you know, I really she, loved. Really why loved Sharon that. was drawn to this place and you know why it's got this weird sort of parallel universe type thing going on. And as much as I love this as a game fan, this bit where it's like, oh, that, that's a camera angle from that. That's oh, she picks up a map on the floor. You do that in the game. Oh, she follows yeah. the bus stops. You know the maps on the bus stops, which are really great touches. But from a film watching point of view, you're like, I don't get any of this. I have no connection to any of these moments. You're so right, man. Yeah. So if so, you just have to find that balance between the two. And I think this mm. opening hour is really guilty of pandering a bit too much to the game fans who will just be buzzing their tits off that the music's right and the bus stop looks like the bus stop map. And the, the and it, you just have to get... I think it just needs to it's get a balance, bit shorter. Yeah. yeah, It is, but I imagine that, like, how exciting that must be. 
Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Like, it must be so exciting. Because, like, Flip reversed this. Uh, who said that? Flip reversed? Uh, blazing <laughs> Squad, blazing I believe. Squad. Thank you very much. <laughs> Flip reverse. Uh, back to earlier, you know, with me playing the Lego Jurassic Park video game, like, every single, like, sick, minute beat that they, that they from the movies they go over in Lego, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, you're just like you know, giddy. I'm absolutely loving it. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. I totally understand. Totally understand. Yeah, totally. Cause the things like um, so Sybil catches up with uh Rose, who because Sybil's been caught in this hell as well, and there's a bit her radio goes off when another because another monster comes out. Now they're back out of the hellscape, and it's now the foggy bit again, and um, her radio goes off, and that's the thing you have in the game where you you find this radio, and whenever you hear the crackle. That's when you know monsters are near, and it's just like, oh shit, I don't want to walk around this corner because you know this radio crackle's going off. So cool. So it's all these inconsequential things like you know navigating the maps, the radio going off, the fog. I love it all, but it's like you don't need to do literally everything. Yeah, you're still making a film at the end of the you day. You need to you need to get the move the story yeah. along. Yeah, yeah. yeah Especially exactly. if you've got a twelve hour playthrough of a game, you can take your time to do this. But in a what you'd like to be a sub two hour movie, yeah, you perhaps don't need to look at absolutely everything. Because yeah, one hundred percent. And the other, the other sort of aspect to this film, which I guess added to the runtime, was that the the male characters were added in as a mm. side note from the uh, from the studios. Sean Bean's plotline is completely pointless. Like it adds nothing to what's actually going on mm. in Silent Hill, other than like. As soon as he said that um, Sharon, the child, was adopted, that was it. That's all we need to know then at that stage. You don't need him harassing nuns later on like, what happened to my daughter? (laughs) (laughs) We don't need any of Gucci either. Yeah. Um, We we also need to say welcome back to the podcast, Kim Coates. Why, what else was he on? Real paper. Can you smell it? Still don't know what it is. I don't know. (laughs) Waterworld. Oh, well, oh was he? In- oh. Yeah. Well, this is the third time we've had Rada Mitchell on the podcast. It is. Isn't it? it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. She's got. She's now entered the. You know, we should give her a cap or whatever it is. What do we give her? <laughs> it's not a great indicator for a career that she keeps featuring <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> well, no, but she at least you know in our in in the sort of like the the FYR Hall of Fame, she's having her jersey she, retired. Yeah, she I is. think yeah. we did say once that three appearances means three, you've got your yeah. jerseys yeah, yeah, in the rafters. Up there Mitchell with Cage and JCVD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lance Henriksen. Yeah. <laughs> Solely just, just Bigfoot movies. <laughs> Bigfoot, no. Bigfoot pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so so we get these uh, with Kim Coates and Sean Bean. It's like a parallel story going on. You've got Sean Bean in the real world and you've got Radha Mitchell Rose in this weird parallel universe of Silent Hill where the roads are all caved off and you, know, you can't get out of the town. And it, it, yeah, th- this adds to the this adds to the runtime, I guess. Oh, well, of course it yeah. does. But yeah, this was a studio note because none of this was in the original script. It was all female-based because Christoph Gans, the reason he wanted to change it from uh, a dad to a mum, you know, he, he felt it was more interesting story-wise to change that, which is fine. Yeah. yeah. You know. And it, this day and age, a, a call like that would probably be respected and I don't think they would have made those studio notes if he was doing this, if that script came in now. And it was a solely female-led film, and they didn't have to wedge in male characters. It probably would have 
fly now rather than 15 years ago where this weird thing to have a we you know we need to have a some male characters in the film. Yeah, we need some male characters in this. Get me Boromir <laughs> to play Christopher <laughs> Silver. Yeah, I, don't, uh, yeah. I, 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 I don't. Uh, I, I agree with the move in a sense to, if that's what's happened, to, to take the male character to a female character because I think that the themes of motherhood are so prevalent here that I think it, it rounds out the narrative really well. Yeah, I think um, the story they're telling in this film yeah, it certainly make, does. makes it, sense. It, way, to do that. it makes way more sense. But yeah. adding, add, yeah, adding dudes for no reason doesn't. Yeah, make not sense. the the only thing it adds, I think, to be fair to it, is the um, is the inclusion of Gucci and the way he links into the story come the end mm. of it. Mm. You know, kind of make you know that that kind of does all tie in and, and comes full circle. But on the whole, it is a bit weird having um, Christopher running around in his Burberry coat in the rain. <laughs> um, the story's about Sharon and Rose. It's like I can sense her because he's actually in the real Silent Hill, isn't he? And they're in the like underverse version. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the underpants version. Of yeah, Silent Hill. yeah. Um, it's it, so so. She's in a Rose is in a school, I think, and um, mm. she's basically the the way the thing what leads her around this town is a little girl who looks like Sharon running yeah. around. And she's just constantly following her into all these places, which are from the games, like the school. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you've got this this horrible dude tied up in a in a cubicle in the toilet, all barbed wired up again, like the other guy we saw. But I think I think the, these bits are where the film's at its best, where it's just this again practical VFX, where it's all suggestive horror. Mm. It's like a reference to the past rather than what we're about to see yeah. or be shown, you know, explicitly shown these horrors. We're just seeing this dude with a name tag on who's tied up in barbed wire, properly gross. And it's just like our imagination going, how did this guy get here? This is really horrible. And that's what's a bit scary. And that's what's scary about mm. the games as well. And I prefer this sort of stuff to the shonky CGI monsters who were just sort of thrown yeah. in there. What's with the bugs? Mm. The bugs Yeah, the bugs weird. as well. Yeah. I just think these bits just kind of ruin it. Yeah. And it's, these are all the bits which probably should have been cut out. And it's just like, oh, this, yeah, exactly. I just yeah. like that weirdness. If you're not going to go full into a sort of jump scare type horror, which this film doesn't do no. at yes. all, just do the weird stuff, like the gross, horrible, like <laughs> things which our imagination are filling in the gaps rather than these weird sort of... But bugs aren't scary, I'm sorry. They're just not. But then we do get... The intro to Pyramid Head, or what did you... Triangle Head Man. <laughs> Sailboat face. <laughs> he is the iconic big bad from the from Yeah, the I game. remember I think, him, yeah. I think he was in the second one. I think that's where he sort of started. And he, yeah, he is just amazing. And again, that's practical. You know, yeah. this big henched up dude with a massive, massive sword. And yeah, the, 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 this, this bit's amazing. And there's... Really clever stuff going on with the camera where it's like a lot of match cuts with Sean Bean in the real, mm. sorry, Christopher in the real world in the school, cut into Rose in the this hellscape and they're in the same bit and the camera moves and it transitions to along the uh, lockers, doesn't it? Going from the real world yeah, to, yeah. To, to, this, to this dark, horrible place. I can sense a Gucci. I can sense her. <laughs> <laughs> I can sense a Gucci. Duck. I can smell a perfume. <laughs> Smells like Henderson's relish. (laughs) (laughs) 
So they've been chased around for absolutely ages, and then they meet some um, cult maniacs. <laughs> Is that a good way of describing <laughs> these people? Yeah. So there's like there's been this like religious iconography like sort of littered throughout this first hour. And then this is where all that kind of sort of gets brought into the main crux of the story. And it's just these religious nutters, isn't it? Yeah. So can I ask a really basic question at this stage? Everybody who lives in this version of Silent Hill, Mm. are they all dead? Yes. Even Rose and whatnot, are they dead as well? I think so. So this, this like foggy, weird, ashen place is... A purgatory. A purgatory of type, yeah. Waiting. Of type. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um How'd they die? Well, I th- I think they all died in their car accidents. And then the, the people died in right. what's in the, the, the disaster. Sort of history of the town. Yeah. The, you know, the disaster of the town yeah. that there was this big fire. Ah. I don't know. Uh, but I mean that's what I got from it. And I think that becomes clearer as the film goes. With on. the ending as well. Yeah. Especially when you've got this parallel of seen Bean running around the actual Silent Hill. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's all dandy and fine. Trying to find someone he'll never find. Well, yeah, sadly. Sheesh. Uh, I get it now. Oh, <laughs> she, she's gone forever. She's gone. gone. I'll never find Rose. Rose! Rose! Me, me Yorkshire Rose! <laughs> Rose de Silva. <laughs> From Hillsborough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Laurie Holden comes into her own here um, yeah. as Sybil obviously and against these people these very very I, I, f- I find you know these characters in movies that religious fanatics yeah very very hard to handle not, not very hard to handle that's not the right way to describe <laughs> it but you know what I mean like hard to digest uh, yeah so not you've physically got, <laughs> no you've got um, Christabella is sort of leading them um, mm. who's played by Alice Creek, I think. And she's so determinedly brilliant in this role, I just, my skin wants to fall off and fold up and fly off. Yeah. Um, it's just horrible. Um, and it reminds me of um, Mrs. Carmody in uh, The Mist. The Mist, yeah, that's who yeah. I thought it reminded me of as well. You, yeah. The, these um, religious women who happen to con- manage to control swathes of people. Yeah. Um, just by the word of using the word of God, which it, it, is yeah. it's crazy. quite scary. It is scary. It is scary and creepy and unsettling. And I love uh, another nod to the mysteries. Of course, Laurie Holden as Sybil. Yeah, she did them back to back. Did she do them back to back? This came out in 2006. The mist came out in 2007. Oh, so my she's word. trapped in two different misty hellscapes with religious <laughs> nutters. She did. I'm on her IMDb movies. right now. She did, yeah. <laughs> she played Amanda Dumfrey in The Mist. Um, and she was. I thought she was brilliant yeah, in that as that's well. that's a great movie. I, I, I think Laurie Holden's brilliant in everything I've ever seen her in, to be honest. Well, she um, became but... a Darabont like, uh, mainstay, didn't she? She was yeah. in The Walking Dead as well. Ah, cast yes. by Darabont in that. Yeah. And seen as Darabont's in movie jail now, she's not work. She's not working as much anymore. <laughs> oh heck! What did Darabont do? Well, he sued AMC about The Walking Dead. Yeah, there was a big, with yeah, big, oh, big falling no. out over that. Even though he was right. Yeah, yeah. He was the <laughs> one who got screwed over in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The money oh, won dear. over the creative, which is a shame, a real shame. Well, on to happier things. Laurie Holden was in the X Files, so that's great. Yeah. Um, lovely uh, and yeah they, they agree that they're going to go back in and try and pull Sharon out 
but things don't go so well. Um, I, I have to be honest, I'm hazy on why it doesn't go well. <laughs> but but <laughs> uh, Christopher, while he's doing his real world gallivanting and, and offending uh, nuns in orphanages and stuff, he, he finds out that um, there's this girl called Alessa who is connected to the town. The, the, the town is basically a group of witch hunters. That's what they were. Yeah. They were really superstitious people who, you know, were really against sin and, and all that sort of stuff. And Christabella was the ringleader of all this. And it kind of turns out that um, it's a really horrible reveal, actually, why the the sort of link between Sharon and mm. uh, Alessa is is really horrible. So, so uh, Christopher finds out that Alessa died in a fire um, and she was basically burnt by the witches. She was a child. Mm. Um, she was bullied at school and seen as this incarnation of sin because she was a bastard child. Mm. And then she was raped by a janitor at school yeah. and as a child, and then they thought that was even more sinful. So they, so they purify her with fire, didn't they? And it's yeah, just, and, and oh, that's horrendous. So that it's really horrible. And it's just like... And it's a lot to take in. It, it like, is. It's just it thrown is. at you in like a five-minute chunk of cutscene, yeah. basically. Is this like... the cutscene where it's it's told in sort of like grainy, yeah, sort of eight millimeter? Footage? Yeah, yeah. It's <sighs> it's it's a bit of a cheap way to sort of explain a backstory that they just go to this narrated sort of home movie, basically, of how horrible these people were to this poor little girl. Yeah, that's horrible. It's this. It's this thing again. I keep. This might be <clears throat> the full house of podcasts that I I talk on about this quote from Will Dean's latest book about how we're only ever <laughs> five mistakes and a charismatic leader away from destruction. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like uh, it's so easy to slide, and especially when charisma is pulling you there. Um. And that's what Mrs. Carmody from The Mist and what Christabella here are all about. It's it's unsettling. It's deeply unsettling because there are real-world examples I want to mention, but I don't want to talk about them because it's yeah, horrible. Yeah. It's just really horrible. And, yeah, they, 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 they just want to burn Alessa as a child, thinking it was purifying her of sin. Dahlia was... Her mother was sort of... She offered her up. She basically oh, it's awful. took her to it's them. So that's why she's, you know, involved in all this. And it kind of cocked up. And this is how the the town burnt down because they tried to do this ritual of burning her, and something went wrong, and it set alight the coal mine below, and it that's what leveled the town and burnt the town. They basically tr- you're in this Silent Hill, this Purgatory Silent Hill. They basically try and do it again. Poor Sybil puts herself in the firing line. I don't think there's many more disgusting and distressing and horrible death scenes than this, I don't think. This is up there for me. Yeah. And I, I I was not prepared uh, for this at all. Um, and it all, it all sits on Laurie Holden's performance. You know, yeah. her performance and the visual effects sort of layered on top of that. It's very, very good. Um, I have to say, you know, during all this stuff, that all these themes that we're talking about that are very unsettling and unsavoury and, and very hard to sort of get your head around, some of the production design that's going on in the background of all of this is so, so good. Um, yeah. And so in a, in a movie-making sense, yeah, it's great. They're really hitting everything that you would you would want. But um, 
Yeah, so so she's on a ladder, and they lower the ladder over a fire, and she's not. You know, I found this quite realistic, like oddly realistic, because I, obviously I've never, you know, been involved in seeing someone burn to death. <laughs> so, um, You've never been involved in a ritual execution. Surprise <laughs> 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 me, James. The way your face changed then, the the shock. The, the, the... Oh, it's a three last week. <laughs> <laughs> So she was quite, still quite high up above the flame, yeah. but obviously it's blinking hot. Yeah. So, um, sorry, new newsflash. Understatement. Fire is hot. Yeah. It's basically a barbecue, surprise, isn't surprise. it? It's just really horrible. And the way the camera's really close on her face. And oh, it just, I know. And her skin is bursting and popping. And it's, and, oh, it's dreadful. But this is the scene which I really vividly remember this scene. You know, mm. if you're going to make a, a sequence in a movie and make it memorable, he sure as shit succeeded in doing that with this. It's yes. Oh yeah, horrible. And we're only getting started here because this scene in the church, and then you got barbed wire flying everywhere. Yeah, because they start trying to burn Sharon. Yeah, because they. they uh, the, so Rose finds a lesser, doesn't she? She finds mm, the the grown lesser who is yeah. in a hospital because she never died because she didn't die, and and all her anger and resentment towards these people manifested into a demon basically mm. and that's why this town was consumed by this evil which is all a bit convoluted but um no it's all good because i'm i'm, I'm glad like... you're here because now i'm starting to understand what actually happened in the last 45 <laughs> yeah. minutes in this movie but you know oddly i'm on the demon side at this point <laughs> yeah go demon let's do this that demon that puts herself in rose who then goes back to the church and then Friggin' Christabella just shivs her right in the friggin' <laughs> chair. It's like, Jesus Christ, woman. She's like a crazy lady. That just basically releases the darkness. The, the, the darkness and a lesser, yeah. and it, she just goes to town on everyone. Uh, it's, it's like one of those Japanese death matches, but in yeah. a church. I expected <laughs> Cactus Jack to emerge from that pit at one point. <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff that is going on here. ECW's finest. Just... <laughs> bang, bang. Tommy Dreamer just comes. <laughs> Can't get through a single podcast without a reference to 90s wrestling. <laughs> it, it is mad what goes on here. Everyone's getting. Um, so, the, the, like, so, Alessa appears from the deep, pretty much, doesn't she? I don't know how she got there. <laughs> no, I, I don't either. But she's got like so all these barbed wire strands are flying out from her yeah. hospital bed. They're squeezing people up, ripping them up, throwing them everywhere. Mrs. Carmody, sorry, I've got to stop calling her that. Um, Christabella. Uh, Christabella gets. Christaberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christaberg gets. Um, <laughs> lady in red, quite literally. Yeah. Um, Severed, uh, and everyone's getting it in the well, in the neck, really. Neck, um, face, <laughs> arms. I think this church was a safe space in this purgatory world, and then yeah. having it exposed in the middle of it, then just made it open to Alessa to finally get in her revenge, which is what she's been trying to do for decades or whatever. And I've said it, I, I said it a few times, but. Clive Barker is a huge influence on this. And I, I, yes, yeah. I, I'm saying it, I only watched Hellraiser for the first time a couple of weeks ago. 
and it's just it's so in line with that the way the way all these flying barbed wires and it's really gross. Yeah. <laughs> what it does to Christabella is disgraceful. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, it, it is pretty bad. Yeah, it, yeah, it's pretty bad. You know what an understatement. <laughs> uh, but the, as well, like the the sound, the the sound of it, all the screams are so loud mm. that it, it re- distorts all the sound, and it really amplifies all that torture and brutal nature of what's going on. And I, it, but this it's is just, this is horrible. Yeah, this is hell. This is yeah. hell has come yeah. to play. Um, everyone's been turned into a cranberry smoothie on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's really something. And then um, uh, Rose uh, De Silva uh, falls asleep. <laughs> uh, sorry, no, I've got to keep saying it. Rose De Silva and um, Sharon. By this point, it is Sharon, isn't it? It is Sharon. Um, she saves her daughter. Yeah, they say save the daughter. Doze off. And uh, love a little cat nap in the middle of all this viscera that's <laughs> splattered across the walls and pews and floors. I thought you said pubes. <laughs> We're in a church, Rob. Behave yourself. And they drive off. And they go back to the car. And it's lovely. Yeah. And they drive off. And they drive back to the De Silva household where Sean uh, Bean. It's waiting for them, but just having um, a lovely snooze, like your whole family's missing, mate. Like, yeah, well, this is the 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 bit where it kind of hits home, isn't it? Where it's like, oh shit, they are dead because yeah. Bruce Willis, he was a ghost. Because <laughs> as they drive home, it's still really foggy, isn't it? And they they've yeah. got back, and it's all this misty fog. But then it cuts to scene being in his lovely architect's house, and it's lovely and sunny autumnal evening. Yeah. Lovely, l- lovely production here. They're just in two different uh, parallel universes, and it's just—it's quite—it's really sad ending. <laughs> yeah, I—I <laughs> I didn't know what this was about at all. So I'm so glad you explained that they were dead because <laughs> I hadn't worked out. I was like, they can't see each other. The movie's ending. I what don't know a, if they, I don't know if they're dead. It. I mean, I, I guess I guess they are, but they're they're stuck in purgatory basically. So. Yeah. The real world exists for them, but not for everyone else. So it's you can die a... again in purgatory. I, I well, yeah, because um, Laurie does. The cop did, yeah, and then yeah. that's when she passes on to whatever the afterlife. And is. all those cranberry smoothie people did as well. So yeah, well, they were going to hell for well, they show. Were definitely going to hell. <laughs> well, they, they jolly were. I yeah. mean, goodness me. Uh, and it's credits roll. Um, really sad ending. <laughs> it's a really sad ending. <laughs> No, I'm still buoyant after watching all those people get barbed wired to bits. I, I loved all that stuff. It was so funny. Terry Funk and Cactus Jack taking notes. <laughs> if we squeeze it this hard round his head, it'll pop. <laughs> Damn pop. Um, so can I get some best bits from you, boy? Uh, yeah, remember earlier I mentioned the bugs? Mm. Yeah, well, there's, there's a bit where they're about to be attacked by Pyramid Face or whatever he's called, and um, <laughs> there's like a really bad-tempered bug screams at Laurie Holden with <laughs> yes. his yes. CGI face, and he looks like Pearl from Blade, which was massively <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> and then, I just don't know why that's in there. I just thought, what's, what's this? And then she steps on it. Uh, in in reality, though. <laughs> The bit where uh, Rose De Silva is making her way through 
to the room where she's going to find out all the backstory. Um, and she has to make her way through all those faceless, sort of blind shuffler. Oh, the nurses. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was very uh, The Last of Us. Um, and then basically they're blind, so she, but they're attracted to the light that she's carrying down the hallway. Mm. So she has to sort of make her way through in the dark. And if she touches them, then they all start going mad and then they all end up knifing each other. Yeah. Uh, it's a really good, creepy sequence, that, and I enjoyed that very much. Mm. I love that because that's, I assume that's taken from the video game side. Most it surely is. It is. Yeah, the, because... the, the hospital is a very big bit in the games and the nurses, these weird, freaky nurses and the way they move. Yeah. And they nailed that. They totally nailed how, like, the, the, this awkward way they move. So kind of backwards. Apparently, I was reading they they re- recorded it uh, and played it backwards. Yeah. To get that movement, mm. amazing. Because uh, I think video games work best uh, and most memorable when they're very definite about the rules that you have to abide by. Yeah. You know, like so you can't do certain things, or these are the parameters with which you've got to work with, and through either story or whatever, you totally invest in that, mm. and that makes those things so like concrete. And it felt like this was one of those moments from a video game that brought really well over to the the cinema world. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a really good bit, that is. Mm. So, what's your best bit? There's a bit outside the church when (laughs) Dahlia summons Pyramid Head. And we we glossed over it. There's a character called Anna who's this weird character. Um, And Pyramid Head gets hold of her. And this is the sort of first moment where it gets like fucking hell. It's really gross. This was like this is a fifteen. This is not a come on. And he strips her naked, and then the shot is insane. He he grabs her chest and twists her skin, and then rips her skin. It's just like oh my days. This is completely disgusting. If you were in the cinema, you were like, well, things have been a bit grim, a bit grotty. Yeah. Um, good gracious me. Yeah, that is um yeah, that is a unsavory bit but really well executed. It was I, yeah, the, I am with you. I love that bit. <laughs> it's a great bit. The shot where it's just the the he twists the skin. Oh, what? Didn't he throw all the all the skin up the wall of the church? Yeah, <laughs> up, oh, the, up the door of the and <laughs> yeah, really horrible. And then just also the the way the soundtrack and score is is just perfect. I, I mean, it's great for a movie, let alone just yeah. a copy of a video game. It's just really, really good, the music. Um, I think my favourite bit is when Sean Bean is um, doing detective work on his wife and goes on her laptop and she's left America's most haunted towns <laughs> on her <laughs> laptop. Dot web. It's like she's literally typed, typed America's... So, silent. Right! You know, and closed yeah. in, gone immediately. Where's my child? We're going. .geocities.org. Yeah. Uh, there's something really, really, like, comforting about the basic technology of it all, you know, that I really, really like. Yeah, she's got a Nokia phone, hasn't she, around her yeah. neck that yeah. time. And uh, Sean's got a, a Sony Ericsson Z600, apparently. Lovely. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Imagine <laughs> if Rada Mitchell had just completely misread the situation. She's like, oh, Silent Hill, it's a haunted town in America. That must be where these dreams are coming from, and this is where we must go. And instead, it was just the kid was just thinking about a, play, a soft play centre that she used to go to <laughs> called Silent Hill. Oh, Silent Hill! 
<laughs> like, mummy, why have you brought me to this house? <laughs> no, there's lots. Of, I think, like, apparently there are 165 different sets and locations in this film. I think it really paid off. Yeah. Just all of it paid off. I think uh, the look of this film is my favourite bit. I think it's the best bit about this film. The look is just so good. So, that yeah, that's my favourite bit, apart, aside from the generic, basic detective work of the De Silva family. They they went they went all in, didn't they, I think? They really did. It, there they was really a lot of passion did. in it, I think, which is commendable. Yeah. So, FYR, James, for your reconsideration, Silent Hill. So, uh, as, as we've touched on, I mean, clearly this is a passion project made by someone who has an in-depth knowledge of and love for the game the visuals are atmospheric the repurposing of the game's music works really well and for the first hour it invoked that sense of dread that i felt when i briefly played the game back in the early 2000s unfortunately in the second half the film it kind of lost me i literally didn't understand what was happening and i only understand it now because sam's explained it to me (laughs) (laughs) the law was really convoluted the poorly aged CGI became more intrusive. It went on way too long and ultimately it just stopped being creepy, which is a shame because I felt it was really building quite nicely during the first hour. It's nowhere near as bad as the reviews would have you believe. And people who have played the games uh, and are more familiar with the mythology of the world may enjoy it, but I just found it impenetrable once it became something more than mother tries to find daughter in a creepy town. But that might just because... I don't have the familiarity with the property. Mm. So I always felt like I was playing catch up and that you know when something's clearly fan service or an easter egg in there and a camera shot like lingers on it uh, because I don't don't have the knowledge within the game it's like I'm not in on the on the gag yeah, then uh, totally and I was like oh I'm not sure what that means I'm sure like the as soon as it, there was a close up on the uh, on the bus stop in the first half hour, I was like, oh, well, that obviously is something from the game, but I've got no idea what relevance that has to yeah, anything. Totally, totally. Cool. Uh, I, I agree with everything there. Um, I think at two hours, six minutes, it's, it's too long, to be honest. It is too long for, for a movie with with this these goals and this overall um, delivery. But I think if you take away the 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 fan service and just trim down the story. I think it's a really good fun movie in here. Uh, and I say that with um, feeling bad because actually I had a really good fun time with it anyway, you know, so it's all really good. Um, you won't, you won't find a movie, you know, this is like as good as a movie can look. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can't make a movie look better than this. Uh, you know, can we do a movie in a, a haunted coal mining town? Yes, we can. Can we make it look better than this? I dare you to try. You you can't do it. This looks brilliant. And for the most part, I think all the visual effects hold up really, really well, save for Screaming Beetles or whatever, <laughs> whatever that thing was. <laughs> but like every movie's got its own odd misstep. Um, I think for the most part, everything is uh, cast and performed really well. There are some weird story choices by adding these dudes in there that don't need to be in there because that adds another 20 minutes in just their scenes, just hanging about. Just Gucci and De Silva on the case. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> when neither likes each other and neither gets to the bottom of a damn thing. So it doesn't really make any sense. Um, 
Laurie Holden is absolutely outstanding. Rada Mitchell is also fully invested in the role here and gives gives her absolute all, which is great. Um, some really memorable visuals. I wish I'd played the game now. Um, and I've actually, since watching it, I've been searching how can I play the game? Because um, I'd love to have a go at it now. The um, first two are amongst the best games I've ever played. Actually, but where do I get them, man? So where can good. I play them? I don't know. Have they not been remastered and for like PS4 or PS5? Not that I can find. I, so I've been looking. Konami, yeah, Konami are the developers, and they've basically exited the gift shop, and they don't make games anymore. So there was supposed to be a new Silent Hill game made by Hideo Kojima, who does the Metal Gear Solid games, and Guillermo del Toro was involved. They released um, a demo on the PlayStation called PT, which was this very mysterious game. Is that what that is? And it was fucking terrifying. I have shat, I shat myself so much. And then it, <laughs> it finished, and it was um, honestly the end of it was just incredible. You can cat, you can watch the end of it on YouTube. It's such a shame this game didn't get made. And it it ended up with the character you were playing because it was all in first person walking out into a town, which was clearly Silent Hill. The theme tune starts playing to Silent Oh, Hill. my God. And then it turns around and it's Norman Reedus, like a CGI Holy computer hell. game, Norman Reedus. And then it finishes and says, Silent Hills, coming soon. And yeah, this Kojima-Guillermo del Toro collaboration for this game, which sound, for me was the most exciting thing. I was like, fucking hell, this is like A-list of everything making one of my favorite games ever. And then they cancelled it, and it's just like, oh, fuck's sake. So, yeah, I think that's probably why you can't play these games anywhere now, because Konami have just um, jumped ship, and they just don't care um, oh, to make God. games anymore. You'll have to eBay a PS1, Rob, and <laughs> get some old discs. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's crazy. What it could have been for the current generation and film fans as well. Yeah. Del Toro fans and Norman Reedus being in a game. Um, which he was in a Hideo Kojima. After that got can they made oh Death Stranding? Death Stranding, which is the most bonkers game I've ever played in my life. <laughs> yeah, weird. It's it's yeah, it's weird. Oh man, um, it was very um wrong of me earlier when we talked about Alice Krieg, not to uh, welcome her back to the podcast. Oh wow, what was she? In? What was she on? Do you want to take a guess? A John Carl Van Damme film. Um, nope. Oh shit, bags. Um, <laughs> I couldn't. So I couldn't guess. Uh, she was um, <laughs> Ebba Crombie's mum in uh, *Reign of Fire*. Wow! Oh, oh, wow. wow! That is a deep cut. That is that a is deep. Nice, wow. nice. Welcome back, Alice Krieg, and thank you so much. Speaking of *Reign of Fire*, because it was quite difficult to find this film, and uh, it was only <laughs> available at the Sky Store, which was the same for *Reign of Fire* when we had to. Watch <laughs> <Rain of laughs> yes. Fire. Yes. The you know uh, Alice Krieg's preferred method of um, <laughs> streaming, I suppose. <laughs> um, thank you very much, Alice Krieg. Um, Sai, you've got our verdict. What are you thinking? Right. So I would be the first to admit that unless you have an affinity with the games, or at least at the very least a prior knowledge, I'm just not sure you're really going to get that much out of this. Personally, I do really like it, and. But nearly all of the reasons I do like it are because of how faithfully and how well it adapts from the game series. If I'm looking at this from like a purely film perspective, I'm thinking, is it too long? Probably. Is it a bit confusing? 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I just think if um, Christoph Gans streamlines that opening hour, um, quite the opposite of what you said, James, actually. If if he streamlines that opening hour instead of getting lost on this aimless journey that just seems like a series of nods to the game yeah. and pure fan service, which just eats into the running time, it could have been a really tight film that appealed to those not familiar with Silent Hill, as well as the fans who would realistically be the only ones who would get those get a kick out of those moments, which he really does dwell on in that opening hour. Is it a good game adaptation? 100%. Is it a good film? I'm not so sure. I do think it's one of the better, if not the best, film adaptation of a video game. That and Mortal Kombat are my two sort of favourites. And, and and while that's not necessarily high praise considering <laughs> the films that, uh, you know, the other films that are made for video games, um, I do think it deserves a hell of a lot of credit for succeeding um, where a lot of those other films really failed. Um, I'm thinking of Resident Evil, Super Mario Brothers, Assassin's Creed. Where those films failed, this film certainly succeeded. So I think it deserves a bit of credit yeah. for that, I think. I agree, sure. I agree. This doesn't feel like a... A lazy cash in. No, all. it doesn't. It clearly really likes the game. Yeah, that that much is true, and it, it does feel like a faithful adaptation as well. And I think also it's it's obviously picked up on the the obvious cinematic qualities of the game and expanded on it. You know, and they've got real real good craft people in, involved in making this a movie. So yeah, mm. I, I no, I I'll recommend this from here on in. I really will. Cool. <laughs> well, it was a risk, but um, uh, I'm glad I watched it again, actually, because I hadn't seen it for a while. Yeah. So, um, take out those CGI babies. Take out those CGI... Uh, Keep in the CGI babies. Roaches. <laughs> Keep in the you roaches. You might have a good film. You might Keep have in the pearl film. roaches. Pearl needs the work. But, yeah, the roaches, they were like from The Mummy, weren't they? Do you remember the Mummy movies? <laughs> Lovely. Um, fabulous stuff, fellas. Really enjoyed chatting Silent Hill tonight with you both. Um, another great movie coming from absolutely nowhere. Well, really from an absolute hellscape from the absolute <laughs> base, base of the earth. Um, so <laughs> next time we're going to be talking... Uh, well, it's our Christmas special. Yes. Um, and we're going to The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yes, which is more of a Christmas-adjacent movie than a Christmas movie in... Yeah, it's sense. part of the Christmas canon. Yes. Like the, <laughs> the, the, the enhanced Christmas cinematic universe. The yeah. ECCU. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to watching it. I haven't seen this film for about 15 years, at least. I am yeah, also same. I, I haven't seen it. it. It was a late night movie on Channel 4 ages ago. Um, yeah, I can't wait to watch it again. Super. With no ad breaks this time. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, please uh, tune in next time for Long Kiss Goodnight. And uh, yeah, thanks for everything. Uh, hope you enjoyed the listen. Uh, we'll see you next time and uh, stay safe. Chat us up on the Twitters. Um, I've gone about this the wrong way around. I've thrown off my own mojo here. How many of these have we done now? It's <laughs> <laughs> nearly number 80. At uh, FYR Film Pod. Um, talk to us on there. I've so thrown now, I can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. Um, go and meet Pyramid Head on... 
Uh, grinder, probably. So on Grinder, yeah. <laughs> on Silent Hill Grinder. On Twitter, five stars. Let's get out of there. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Send us five stars on your subscription service of choice. Um, stay safe, love each other. Um, I don't usually say that, do I? But do, it's, it's the festive other. period. We should love each other. <laughs> then you should love each other. God damn it. Just, just, yeah, enjoy life. Um, Are you all right, Rob? <laughs> I don't, I've got, like, usually when we hit the end, I'm like, I've got the patter. I've got it down. And then like someone threw me on this one. I think I did one line the wrong way around and now I can't do it. I don't know. <laughs> do you see? Do you see? <laughs> Say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. I think you need to uh, have a lie down, Rob. Honestly, I feel, I feel like, you know, like my brain just went stretched out like I went like a... <laughs> yeah, don't know what's going on. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Cup of soup, the only answer. Oh and Sasquatch Do Chronicles. Do you see? Do you see? Quadruple seasoned, always. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>